Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They yeah. had been, they had been yeah. around the block a time or two. What's the first deal they built, I bet? No, no, you know, you could, I think they were, they had, the, the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped-up car, and he, he complained that the government gave him these piece-of-crap, cheapo cars and that, that were really no match, but he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was a chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's the clock tonight. Go get us the W. Hell yeah. Ready. Sure. 
is up everybody welcome back to the nascar weekly podcast on time this week not late uh-huh. i'm joined by my three co-hosts as always and guys let's not waste any time let's just get right into it what's your hot take this week? oh that's right i'm first well thankfully for all of my lovely twitter followers i have four i had four crazy hot takes this morning somewhat serious somewhat trolling but hey there's still hot takes nonetheless the first one being and i said this earlier this year as my one of my hot takes that i felt by the year 2030 um front row motorsports would ha- make at least one championship four appearance by the end of the 2020s but in the late 2020s to be exact and then my second one i said ty gibbs would win not just one not just two but three championships all by the year 2030 the third one the third one this is not even the best one it's just another one but the third one was a legacy motor club they will win a championship by 2030 and finally the Chinese League, the Hey Buddy, Get Ready to Learn Chinese Buddy series will be up and running for NASCAR by 2030. So there you go. There's no way I can lose this. I just gave you four spicy, nonsense-ass takes. Hand me my W. You just did it for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will go next. I don't know how I follow that one, so I'll just go up this. I am coming to you guys today from a little small town in northern New Hampshire, right on the border of Maine, essentially. Got to spend some good time in Portland, Maine. Great city if you've never been there. While I was walking around the streets of Portland along the waterways, saw a lot of cool, nice, big fishing boats. Well, Martin Truex Jr., he he's definitely not washed, but he talked a little bit in his press conferences that you know, he's not sure if he's ready to retire, but he's mentioned that he might just want to go buy a fishing boat. I, I think he should. Martin, be like Peyton Manning. Go out on top, at the top of your game. Go on out. Go buy that big fishing boat. Port it in Portland, Maine. Go catch lobsters. Whatever you want, man. Go enjoy life. You've, you've done, you, you've gave it your all NASCAR. Go, go enjoy your other passions. Let the record show that Darian cheated. Uh, it's hot takes. Uh, what's well, hot take is in ah, the, the hot take you segment you but yourself. uh darian over here with four hot takes and he even called them nonsense himself i think there should be a stipulation that your hot take has to make some <laughs> amount of sense um my hot take if you watch if everyone watched my video which uh, it's been out for like 20 minutes so there's no way hardly anyone has yet but uh in my video uh earlier this afternoon i talked about chase elliott and his playoff hopes and yeah, I know a lot of folks are down on Chase Elliott after New Hampshire, and for good reason. It was a disappointing effort. They were slow. They were off. They finished 12th. That was by far the best they ran all day. Bad time of year to have your one of your worst races of the season. But I'm not as down on Chase Elliott as a lot of folks. I still think Chase Elliott, I still think there's a slightly better chance he makes the playoffs than misses. I looked up a few stats to back this up that absolutely blew my mind. The number one stat is that Chase Elliott actually has the best average finish of all full-time cup drivers this year. I know he's only made 13 starts. Everyone else has made 20, but still, he's got the best average finish. That blew my mind. That honestly blew my mind. And coming up, 
Watkins Glen, where Chase Elliott has finished fourth, second, first, and first the last four seasons. He probably should have won last year, but Larson got greedy on the final restart. I don't think if they're in the same boat, Larson does the same thing here, knowing Chase Elliott's current point situation. So I know they haven't had winning speed this year. He's not leading a ton of laps, but between Pocono, Michigan, a road course at Indy, and Watkins Glen, and Daytona, don't ever forget about Daytona. I still believe Chase Elliott wins his way in. I still think there's at least a chance if everything else goes poorly, he could still point his way in to the playoffs. Well, as everyone sees probably on this beautiful red banner down below here, uh, SVG is going to be racing at Indy for the Indy road course in the 91 car again. Uh, But my hot take is also about him, but not about that. Mine is about the possibility that he is going to be moving to cup full time next year. And I'm going to say this now. Uh, hype is high on him. Hype is very high on him. But I think that people have overhyped him. I think that he's going to be a great road course racer in this series. But you know who else was? Marcus Ambrose. And you know what Marcus Ambrose never did? Never won at Noble. I'm going to say this going into it right now. SVG will be a mediocre NASCAR driver and a great road course driver. That's it. And uh, that reminds me, I should probably put up a poll seeing who has the hottest take. Hmm. Um, but while I do that, guys, we had a race, one race this weekend and one during the week. Uh, race on Monday. Danny, you were there. Start us out about just everything in general with New Hampshire on a Monday. And was it really raining how they said it was? Okay, Sunday it really was raining how they said it was. And it was doing that for pretty much all day. I will say, though, we went to the movie theaters afterwards. It was nearby, and by the time we were coming out, it, well, it was kind of not raining, but there was definitely still moisture in the air, um, some light rain in places. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they could have done something with the, with the damp weather, but I think with how hard it was raining, there was literally floods, tornado warnings going on everywhere. I think the main thing NASCAR wanted to do was just keep people safe. They didn't want people having to get out and drive and that they didn't want to. And I can't say I blame them. I, I, I mean, I, we were only like less than an hour away. We had to go pick up our credentials anyways. We were going to be there no matter what. When it, Literally, when we were picking up our credentials, they said, postpone to Monday. I said, okay, great. Kind of came in knowing it wasn't going to happen. So we went over to the New England Racing Museum, uh, got a tour of Dick Berger, and it was really cool. And, uh, but yeah, when the race actually happened on Monday, um, we got there early, went to the tweet up, good amount of people, uh, at the tweet up. A lot of y'all, uh, came over and said, Hey to me. So to the New Hampshire tweet up crowd, how you doing? Uh, good to see you. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, overall not a bad crowd for a Monday. I was actually really satisfied seeing that crowd. Um, once the race got going, kind of what I expected a, a race on a Monday on a flat track. I didn't expect much action. We had a little bit. Um, especially, you know, the Almirola situation. We'll talk about that more later. Um, but overall, I was, uh, you know, n- nothing happened that I didn't expect, if that makes sense. Truex, I, I, I knew, I picked out her that morning. I said, is that going to be Truex or Bell? One of them's going to just run off in clean air and dominate. And ultimately, we saw that with Truex. Yeah, as long as you know going in that it's just one of those tracks where it's not going to usually produce like the most spectacular racing in the world, but I'm pretty sure if you were there, there's probably some decent battles going on in the midfield or whatever. But once you get that clean air up front, it's pretty much just follow the leader. And Martin Truex Jr. finally wins at New Hampshire. It's been a long time coming. 
And I tweeted this after the race. I'm like, damn, is it is this the 2017 or 2023? Because I'm starting not to tell the difference now. You know, like I know I said a week ago that uh, Byron was the current favorite, but I mean, it's a fluent situation. The championship favorites is it changes week to week sometimes. And now, I mean, I know Truex has three wins and Byron has four. But man, it just feels like everywhere we've been, like Truex has been, he's been up there, man. He's been up there. So I said uh, it after the race so that the only two drivers I would confidently pick to make the championship four right now uh, would be Chase, or sorry, not Chase, uh, Martin Truex Jr. Someone in the chat was talking about Chase, uh, Martin Truex Jr. And my, my uh, desktop's in a different organization. I have the chat more visible than usual. That's either a good or a bad thing. But Byron and Truex are the only two drivers i'd be confident picking to make the championship for i want to ask you this danny because a lot was made coming into this weekend about the new tire that goodyear brought that i think was meant to be a little faster on the short run but wear out quicker creating jared your fly is here creating uh the uh, a bit more lap time differential mm -hmm. i heard a few drivers talk about it. i i listened to hamlin's podcast and he just kind of mentioned it in passing oh yeah it wasn't that different whatever but did drivers talk much about the new tire and did they feel much difference um no, no one that I talked to said anything about it. I don't recall anyone in the post-race interviews mentioned the, the tires too much. Um, Logano mainly mentioned that no matter what he tried on Truex, he couldn't really, he tried, he tried restarting on his outside. He tried restarting behind him. He couldn't do anything. Um, so that, that's not really the tires fault. Um, Harvick didn't say anything. None of the guys, I talked to Christopher Bell before the race. They didn't mention anything about the tires. He just mentioned that they made mistakes on Saturday. They wanted to not make and, well, they, they still did. Uh, but no, no one really said anything about tires, though. Yeah, I thought the race was decent. Uh, the only difference, really, between like last year or really any other New Hampshire race was um, that the groove did seem to widen out. Like they were racing. Yeah, true. The wall at times. The yeah. I, and I, I, I'm sure that was at least partially the result of the new tire, um, for sure, which I think that's good. That I think multi, multi groove racing is important with in modern NASCAR, considering how bad dirty air is, you want the second place guy to have options to get out from behind the lead car. And so I thought that actually was good, especially by the end, how wide the racing group was. Yeah. I, I kind of, it was funny. I, when I did my post-race deal on Monday, I had a lot of people disagreeing with me. Um, Cause well, I don't think this was like a horrible race by any means. I thought it was just kind of average mediocre, you know, like a four or five out of 10, which on my scale is an average normal race uh the way that i saw it is yes those lanes were working but it, a lot of times and i know that i'm gonna have have people disagree with me on this i a lot of the times i felt like i was watching a mini 550 race in the sense that unless you had that right groove at the right time if if you were stuck on the bottom the person would always get the run on the top and you couldn't pass them no matter what unless it was absolutely perfect or somebody made a mistake now luckily with New Hampshire compared to the 550 track uh, package in general, New Hampshire, in my opinion, is such a kind of older abrasive track that there were a lot of people making mistakes. You saw it with, I believe, McDowell getting into the priests. You saw it with leaders getting onto the seams. So I think it was a more challenging track, and that's what, to me, what made the race more entertaining than I would say a 2019, 2020 race would be. Um, but it was it was kind of what I expect with with New Hampshire. I think the the part that kind of and we'll talk about this now. What kind of soured it for a lot of people is uh, Monday Martin came out to play at the Magic Mile, and it was utter domination. I mean, 
I think it was maybe 10 laps. If you got out in front on a restart on a strategy for 10 laps, uh, that was the only way you were going to beat him. If it was a long run, he had you beat. If it was a medium run, it was even a, a bit of a longer short run, if you will. He had you beat. Uh, it, it's no other way to put it. He he said, he he put on a clinic. Uh, yeah, that, that's the he best also, way I put it. He also said afterwards, you know, even with all the different tire strategies, he was always on equal or better tires than the cars around him. Uh, and like there was one restart towards the end where I think he restarted fourth, like second in the outside lane, and I thought, okay, some dirty air. Let's see what happens. And then whoever was on the inside spun the tire. So Truex was second going for the lead by the time they got to turn one. And I was like, no, it's over. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it is, I think that's his second Monday win of the year. Two of his three wins have come on a Monday. So uh, I don't know what it is about, you know, the op what's the opposite of prime time. Not so prime time races. Short Martin Truex Jr. Races. Yeah. When you get the noon slot uh, on NFL Sunday, you know, Martin Truex Jr. Shows out. He plays, uh, he plays hard. Um, but no, nah, he just, you could tell the wind meant a lot to him winning at New Hampshire. One of his, I think this might've been like his last home race sort of to check off his list. And, uh, and now he's got that lobster. So at least that, that storyline was kind of cool. Well, they better hope they don't have the championship race on a Monday. Cause then Truex is a lot to win that. <laughs> well, looking really quick at the, the hot take poll, Eric won with 33%. Darian's multiple hot takes each got 7% a piece. And I got 27% <laughs> and Danny got 11. So all I had to do, all I had to do was accuse, a boat. All I had to do is accuse someone of cheating. <laughs> yeah. All you had to do well, is just, yeah, do I do want to kind of, and I'm going to give this as a poll too, to the rest of uh, the chat, but I want to ask you guys, whoever wants to go first, go for it. You know, we said, you don't know whether or not you could say he is or not. I'm going to ask you straight up. Yes or no. If you know, uh, Someone's right behind you. Force multiplier to the head. I can't say the other word. Uh, you have to pick. Is he the favorite or not? Is Martin Truex Jr. the favorite to win the championship? Yes. Yes, he is right now. He's been good everywhere, man. He's been good. And, you know, I know, like, not every single Joe Gibbs racing car is, like, you know, like, has, um, uh, they haven't ran the best, Um, most of them at least. I mean, Ty Gibbs is still a rookie learning and stuff, but the rest of those Joe Gibbs cars have been pretty good, and MTJ is the best one there. As for Hendrick, it feels like William Byron, like, yeah, he's great at, you know, some places, but then it feels like, you know, he might, you know, disappear a little bit every now and then you know compared to truex you know um, compared to just truex's performances so i would say truex is the favorite right now yeah absolutely i don't want to be you know a prisoner of the moment but i agree i think yes and i think it's because truex this year looks like probably the best on shorter flat ovals uh he won the clash the coliseum maybe that's a special case but he won that race he was top five at both martinsville and gateway and then he just won at Loudon. And you look at the championship venue, Phoenix, it's a flat one-mile track. Truex's other win was Dover, which isn't a flat track, but it's a one-mile track. So, I, you know, 2021, I picked Truex to win that championship because he didn't dominate like Larson everywhere, but he dominated at the tracks most similar to Phoenix. And he was going to win that championship until Larson's pit crew beat him in the final cycle. So I think this is a much similar case. He's got enough playoff points and wins that I think as long as he doesn't, you know, have just a catastrophic round, he'll make the championship for and right now, of the favorites, I think he's been the best on the short ovals. Yeah, I I think right now, Truex is the favorite to me. The, of course, William Byron has four wins, but I'm going to be honest, I'm not I'm not sold that even the races he won, he was the best car. Las mm -hmm. Vegas, something happened to Kyle Larson at the end. That's what 
handed it to win the to Byron Phoenix. I think something else happened similar. Burton, Burton's fun. Yeah. 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 That happened. Darlington, we saw Chastain and Larson crashed that handed it to Byron. Atlanta was just rain coming in. So right now I'm not sold on Byron, but Truex, when I've seen them at their best, he's really good. But also the same for Kyle Bush. When he's at his best, he's really good. But Kyle Bush is still missing a little bit more than what than what uh, Truex has right now. Well, it's, it, I'm going to oh, go say ahead. no. Uh, and this is why. The, the track that most have compared Phoenix to, like when it comes to most similar uh, of any of them, is actually, I think, Gateway now is the one that people bring up. And when you look at Gateway yeah. and you look at how they ran in that race, um, Truex was good. He, he finished fourth in the first stage, and he ended up finishing fifth overall. But he wasn't a, a threat to win that race. That race really was, I would say, between Ryan Blaney and Kyle Busch. Uh, now, while I don't think that Kyle Busch is as consistent as Martin Truex Jr. is, consistency doesn't matter in the last race. Kyle Busch has That's a true. lot of playoff points. I think he's going to probably get another win or two before that point, or at least I think he would. Uh, and that's probably, even if he's mediocre through the last round, with how chaotic, I, I know it's overused, but with how chaotic uh, the last round is and so far the next-gen era has been, I think that that could carry him into the Final Four, in which case it's who's the best of the flat tracks. And based on at least that one uh, gateway, which, remember last year, Joey Logano, I believe, won that race and went on to win the championship. I'd go Kyle Busch on this one because he was good both years, not just one. That's fair. It's a fair point. Uh, I just think he's got a harder path to the championship for kind of like you said. That's that's my only concern there. Yeah, yeah. No matter I, getting there, I, I I don't disagree there. Uh, but looking at the chat, they're with you three. Fifty eight percent of them say yes. He is now the title favorite. Yeah, and I wouldn't say he's a he's like a, a heavy favorite, you know? Like, I mean, like, I feel like the top three right now are him, Kyle Busch, and William Byron. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it says a lot about, you know, Byron and stuff where, you know, he's able to be at the right place at the right time. And then Kyle Busch, and, um, you know, in uh, similar races, I mean, he's won some races where, you know, he wasn't the best guy. But, I mean, like, I can't think of a race where it's like, okay, I feel like all three of Truex's wins, he's been without question the best driver, at least with two of them that he has. So, I mean, like, you know, it's a fluent situation, but yeah, Truex, I, I'll give him the slight edge as, as being the favorite. But, you know, Byron and Bush, they're not too far behind, in my opinion. Well, a- another person we could bring up in this conversation uh, is the guy who put up a fight against Truex at the end of this race, Joey Logano. Uh, Logano was probably one of the only people who was able not only to fight with Truex, but also, at different points, run Truex down. Uh, so, I'll give it to you guys. Moving forward, is is Joey Logano someone that we're all sleeping on right now who's going to, like, 2018 come out of nowhere when he was good all along? I, I think mean, both. slept on him last year, and he won he wanted a darn championship. I think both Logano and Blaney, two Penske guys, are being slept on a bit. I, I think Logano has more pedigree. He's a two-time champion, so you know I think people trust him more. But Blaney's also – I mean, you mentioned a second ago, Jared. He was really good at uh, Gateway. He was also obviously really good at Charlotte, won the Coke 600. Like that this snapped a huge winless streak. Uh, and Blaney was in contention at the end of this race too until he made a mistake on pit road or his pit crew made a mistake on pit road. So I actually think you know Ford is a little off. I mean – 
when you look at the point standings, guys like Keselowski and Busher have been, you know, as or more consistent than guys like Joey Logano. But uh, I do think when it's all said and done, if I were to pick anyone from the Ford camp to make it to the championship four and be a threat, it would be the two guys that finished one, two in the championship race last year. Although Blaney wasn't a part of the championship fight. So I, I think Logano, but I saw some of the chat mentioned a moment ago that don't sleep on Ryan Blaney either. I like, I, I think they're both equally content, equally equal contenders. Maybe that's right. Some, someone else to not sleep on as long. And right now he's tracking both of him and his teammate, both are tracking well to make it into the playoffs. Don't sleep on a Brad Keselowski because really the way the rounds line up, I mean, Busher won Bristol last year, but Brad also, Brad looked like he could have possibly won that one last year. And then we got Talladega mixed in there too. Good for Brad. Um, Brad could be good at a track like Martinsville. Don't sleep on Brad Keselowski to not find a way to get there. I wouldn't sleep on, we can't sleep on Logano, of course, but I do find it interesting in, in, in Logano's odd years of his cup series career, each of them have been like struggles where he's like missed the playoffs or something like, like something crazy's happened um, of that sort. But Ryan Blaney, man, he should have had a friggin' top five or top three finish easily. Um, but his crew or I, it was either him or his crew screwed him over. I can't remember which one, but it's just it always seems to be one or the other. And we were just talking about him as like, oh, you know, he's, you know, finally top five, finally more consistent. But you know what? When it comes playoff time, those mistakes can be the difference between advancing and being eliminated. So I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm a little cautious about Blaney and stuff just based off of the mistakes. But Logano, I mean, like he's the, he's the defending champion. He has to get some benefit of the doubt. Well, I think let's not put our audience too much to sleep with this kind of talk. We also have a little bit of a, conf- I won't even say confrontation, a bit of a disagreement to talk about. Uh, I will not call this a fight because NASCAR fans need to stop calling things that aren't fights, fights. But Michael McDowell and Ryan Priest were, they, they exchanged words after the race. I'm going to ask you guys this. Is this something that's going to move forward between them, or is this pre-sort of loud bark, no bite? I'm pretty Um, sure they're over it already. Michael McDowell wanted nothing to do with that from from the get-go. He was apologizing on Twitter that day. It's funny. I I didn't know what had happened until afterwards because – so you guys notice having done the media part of it after the race, they put up the fence. You usually expect, okay, there's Bob, there's Dustin Long, there's all these other big people, and I'm like, why is it just me here? There was only a handful <laughs> of us. I was like, something had to have happened back there. And then yeah. I seen it was like a fight with uh, McDowell and Priest. It really wasn't a fight. As far as I'm concerned, it looked like it 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 it, it all began and then ended right before they got to their motorhomes. I felt like it felt like um, it felt like at first, you know, McDowell was trying to go over to Priest, like, "Hey, look, I apologize." Priest kind of pushed him away, but then all of a sudden they talk and stuff, and then I felt like they either you know agreed or or you know maybe agreed to disagree, you know. Um, but I don't know. I felt like it died there, so you know, it just the situation ended, you know, right right then and there. So I didn't see really exactly. I didn't see exactly where it started, but the clip I saw, I mean, it starts with McDowell coming up and literally putting his arm around Priest and like apologizing. And then he apologized on Twitter, like Danny said. So I, I feel like it was over over instantly. Like there was never going to be a physical yeah. altercation. It's a fight. Um, so, it's a fight. Well, yeah. something, something funny before before we started here, me and Claudia went out to dinner and this place we went to tonight had NASCAR race up on TV. And I saw them doing this question, 
doing this question they were talking about the they were talking about that little fight then they showed uh the chastain punching uh gregson and then they they raised the question and it was uh it was chad canals and kevin harvick was who they was asking us to they asked him to grade the chances of another fight happening before the playoffs chad canals is hyping up saying 75 percent they're definitely gonna be hitting each other and then kevin harvick is like five percent we're not doing anything <laughs> it's like dude no <laughs> that's the thing and we talked about this uh last time we had chase and dale on like i remember me and dale went off about this like can we stop calling things fights that aren't fights like nascar fans need to stop this this whole this whole like culture of oh every little thing is a fight or little pushing here or there a disagreement dude. is a fight like get over it but i will say something though uh this isn't the first time, and I know it was an accident, but still, this is not the first time Ryan Priest has been run through on track. Mm-hmm. Has he done anything in response to anyone about this, or has he just barked about it and then been a doormat? Here's the thing. He, he comes from – I, I think I think, um, I think it has a lot to do with his background. I feel like he's exactly like Trix in a sense, where he's going to complain and he's not going to do nothing because – he comes from the modified background and stuff. And he obviously didn't have, you know, the most money in the world when he was racing growing up and stuff. So he's a guy who just wants to race clean, take care of his equipment and stuff. But I mean, now he's in the big time. So if this be, I mean, if, I mean, I think this is the second or third time something has happened within this year involving like, you know, like all oh, him getting ran over. So I feel like eventually he's going to have to take some action here pretty soon. I was going to mention but- we get, tomorrow we get to see Ryan Priest and Paul Tracy on the same track. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was gonna mention it was Bristol Dirt. He uh, retaliated against Larson and put him yeah. in the wall. Oh yeah, and then uh, I think it was oh it was also Coda too. I mean everyone was getting ran over that race though. But he was like all these hacks. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, but he 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 called them hacks. Remember with Hosevar, he was don't do that. You know he no, was that guy. yeah. But yeah. Lar- Larson is the only instance I can think of where he actually did something on track to alter someone's race. Uh, I'm not sure if he's physically retaliated in any other significant ways. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see what he does in SRX. That last Stafford race was very confrontational. Uh, I can only imagine. Well, I'm starting to wonder if Michael McDowell was being so apologetic because he knows that could potentially be a future teammate of his. I think it's more yeah. McDowell knows he has a one point cushion in the playoffs right now and any wreck, any spin could ruin his season this this point. Yeah, and also too, you just mentioned it might be a potential teammate. I could have sworn I saw someone over the weekend where is I felt like he was he um he was pretty secure in his extension, I guess his extension talks with front row. I think row, McDowell I said that front row has an option. So it's like it's the ball's in their court. Front oh, row oh, which oh, kind of like the deal with Busher and RFK where they said, Hey, get over here. I think oh, so. Okay. So, okay. T- side note, but like, if you're front row, what the what the hell are you doing? Why have you not re-signed McDowell? If he's interested and you're interested, the uh, dude's got you in the well, playoffs hey, right now. Are you kidding one me? One guy, I got a reason for you. Two words: Zane Smith. Drop Gilliland. I mean, he's fine. He's good, but and... McDowell and Zane Smith—that's your future. That is your future. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, Gilliland's been doing awesome for them too, though. So it's like I, you can't just he's let been, him go. And, right? and also, he's been fine, also, but. <laughs> David Gillen helped grow that team in the beginning. So yeah, there's like I, so much I, history. I, I said, I'm not talking about the past. I said the future. The future <laughs> yeah, I mean, is McDowell and Zane Smith. Rusty Wallace helped grow Penske uh, to the point that and they're Steve at Steve Wallace should have had a ride. <laughs> That'd be a lot know. of wrecked cars. See, that's a tough situation because I don't want McDowell to leave. But at the same time, it's like if you're front row, it's like, 
But you also have, you know, in the truck series, Zane Smith winning all these races, and he's clearly a Cup Series talent. He was about to sign with Ganassi before he went out of business. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, like it's a, it's a tough situation. It feels like a good situation to be in because I feel like it's a, it's a, you know, it's a win-win situation in a sense. It, it is tough, but I just, I just think Zane Smith is. I, I, Zane Smith outdueled Todd. Remember Todd Gilland, uh, did he not? He drove the 38. Zane Smith mm-hmm. then took over the 38 with the same crew chief and went out and yes. won a championships or, you know, championship yeah. four. And, and I think Gilland, I think Gilland just won a race with them, I believe. Gilland is that. good. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying Zane Smith is better. He's a better prospect. And Michael McDowell's got you in the freaking playoffs right now. You can't like that. They like, if you have an option on McDowell, why is it taking so long to well, just resign him? I don't I, understand. I, I think it's this. And this is a someone who just showed you is Michael McDowell <laughs> diecast. Uh, you know, it's the same with every sport, though. Uh, it, it, they can't last forever. And while I think Michael McDowell is doing really well, and I think he deserves to be back, and I think he should be back, uh, he is also going to be 39 years old, which I know is not the peak for a driver. Uh, but when you have a 24-year-old and Zane Smith coming up, I think that has to be the priority. Number one priority has to be Zane Smith. Uh, because I don't want to waste his career on Stuart Haas racing equipment. And then <laughs> and then Todd Gilliland is 23. So he's, I mean, he's nowhere near the peak of what he'll be. And he's shown vast improvement this year. So I think it's tougher than people think. I think it's a matter of, you know, everyone says that Loves would go with McDowell. Loves has been there since before McDowell was on that team. Chris Buescher won a race in the Loves car. For a decade, I think. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's been there. It's been with the team for a decade, I want to say. I don't think that's a McDowell sponsor. I don't see that going anywhere. Yeah, I really don't. I don't know. I, we're way off topic. Yeah. McDowell, yeah. Zane but Smith. That, I just think yeah. that's an easy call. That was a good topic, though. Yeah. Well, and before we go to the next topic, really quick, uh, be sure to lick that like button. Let's get those likes up there, all, all y'all. Already um, over a hundred. Thank you. Guys. I, I like Denny delivers in the chat. The fact that front row is considered a better seat than SHR. It <laughs> is true. It's true, and it, I think it's been that way for a, a little bit now. At least I'm, this year. I'm telling you. Well, to to, to kind of move on though, from on the track to presenting the track. I want to give a shout out really quick to NBC uh, because, and, and I, I, I've said this for a while. What I love about NBC is even if it doesn't work right, or it's not the greatest execution, they're trying new things. Mm-hmm. And I liked what they did on the restart on the restart. They had most of the screen, like I'd say probably 70% of the screen, maybe 60% of the screen was the main restart broadcast. We always get the same boring camera shots of them coming up to the restart zone and then the entire static shot of the straightaway. But then they also had five, well, six at one point. And then I think one of them got knocked. I think it was Kyle Busch got knocked out. Then five different cameras of different drivers' perspectives on the restart and seeing where they were restarting through the field. So I just I want to shout that out because while we have Fox being very stale at the start of the year, again, NBC is doing really well. Do I think they're the greatest broadcasters of NASCAR ever? No, but they're trying new things and that needs to be commended. Yeah, I agree. I, I, there was a lot about what NBC's done this year that I really appreciate. Although in the in an attempt to be fair, because we criticized, we've nitpicked Fox to death. I did, I think I tweeted this, I nitpicked one thing NBC did. They've done a great job of showing mid-pack more battles, but this week it was at one point at the expense of a hard-fought battle for second in the closing laps. I don't remember who it was. I think it was like maybe Logano and Larson or somebody. And I saw them on the uh, on the leaderboard, kept flipping, flipping, flipping. And I was like, 
are we going to see it? And they never acknowledge it. Cause I think a caution thing came out pretty quick. We never acknowledge that Larson, I think made the pass for second and it never got a mention. So, you know, I agree yes. with you, but I just, in an attempt to be fair, because people think we never criticize NBC. That was a mistake. You know, yeah. hopefully that they'll, they'll get better. They'll do better. Yeah, I hope I've, somebody commented yesterday on, on my YouTube post, they commented. Yeah. That was the worst NBC broadcast of the year, but still way better than any Fox <laughs> broadcast has had all year. I'm like, oh wow. That's, <laughs> the chat, Isaac said NBC Fox is hydrogen bombers coughing baby. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Prime Oppenheimer time joke. <laughs> well, uh, last thing before we kind of move away. Well, two last things. One to uh, a question I want for you guys, and I put it in the chat. Would you do a Martin Tricks Jr. and bite the lobster? Uh, I don't really eat seafood, so I'd probably say nah. I would, well, you got to dip it in butter first, and then you bite the lobster. At the very there least. There you go. So I've ate lobster three times this, this weekend, so I've ate plenty <laughs> of lobster. I'd bite or you have lobster. A you have a death mask. Uh, you have a death match with the lobster. You just cut the things off and just go at no, it. Let's no, go. no, no, no. <laughs> Let's not do that part. And then, really quick fact, fun fact here. This is only the fourth time ever in NASCAR Cup Series history that every member of the top five going into that race was a former NASCAR Cup Series champion. Oh, that's and surprising. That's kind of fun. Interesting. And interesting. That's the second time it's happened in the last ten years at New Hampshire. So, oh, yeah. Mm. Wow. So I guess New Hampshire is a litmus test of greatness. Uh, by the way, so. when it comes to biting lobsters, uh, 57% said no. Wow. Yeah. I thought they I were adventurous. thought they we were a little adventurous. Wussies. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> Guys, moving on from the action on track to the overarching story of this uh, regular season so far. We have the NASCAR playoffs to talk about, and I'm going to read off really quick. All these guys are within a race or around a race uh, within the bubble line right now. You have Bubba Wallace, 15th, plus two. Michael McDowell, plus one in 16th over Daniel Suarez in 17th. 18th is A.J. Allmendinger in uh, minus 20, and Ty Gibbs, 19th, minus 41. 20th, Alex Bowman, minus 42. Um then Justin Haley, minus 4621. Uh, 22nd goes to Austin Cindric, minus 51. And Chase Elliott did not gain anything on the cut line this week. With six races to go to the playoffs, he is 60 points back. Anything surprising you after this week? Or because the the question I'll put up here is who's in must win territory now? Because I think a lot's changed in how we're going to view this moving forward. I feel like the must-win territory, unless you're 15th, 16th, and 17th, and you have that, you know, little one-point cushion and stuff, I feel like you have no choice but to go into must-win territory. I know Digger's 20 points below. He's only 20 points. But, I mean, we saw at New Hampshire, it felt like, you know, these guys below the cut line didn't want to be above the cut line. I mean, we saw Digger with problems, and then Ty Gibbs with problems, and then even Alex Bowman had problems later on in the race, you know? So, I don't know. I feel like it's they they've just been like it's either like one or two of these guys below the cut line, or as we saw three last um, on Monday that have just been inconsistent. So I feel like if you're 18th on back, you know you got no choice. I mean, six races left. Like you know, you can hope that Bubba and McDowell and and Suarez have some type of issue, but I mean they keep having issues themselves. So I feel like if they're going to keep doing that. You might as well just get the win. 
I think AJ Allmendinger on down is in must-win territory because Allmendinger, yeah, he's only minus 20. I just don't see him running well enough on the ovals. He's been better lately. Didn't run too great in New Hampshire, but overall he's been pretty good lately. But I don't think he's going to run well enough to make up 20 points. He's going to have to win the Indy Road Course or the uh, or Watkins Glen or Daytona. Anyone can win Daytona. Um, so I'd say Allmendinger on down or in must-win territory. Uh, Ty Gibbs was the big disappointment for me this last weekend. Besides Chase, I, I was hoping Chase would at least run top 10 and get some stage points, and he was just off. Um, but Ty Gibbs, uh, you know, we saw how fast Toyotas were. Truex dominated. I think Christopher Bell was a top three or four car. Even Hamlin was like fifth, sixth, seventh all day. Uh, Ty Gibbs, I think at best got to like 10th, but because he spun out or almost spun out in qualifying, and, uh, you know, he, he just never really got – track position during the race uh once he got close to the top 10 he um he spun out late i can't remember if somebody hit him he spun out or something with two to go three to go uh and ended up finishing like 27th and uh, so that was a big missed opportunity because i think he entered that race like 25 or 26 points back and i thought he had a great shot to get within 10 or 15 and instead he's now minus 41 and you know a, a young rookie making up 15 points in six weeks with some good toyota tracks coming up i i, I would buy that but making up 40 points I don't know. That's going to be really tough to do. For me, I, don't know. I, I can't hold too much on Ty Gibbs right now because right now he's, in a way, I guess he kind of reminds me of a Chase Elliott at that point. Chase was doing pretty good, but still had a lot of veteran talent he's having to go up against. And, well, if, if he doesn't make it, oh, well. If he does make it, great. But it is kind of intimidating. We see how good as that or Joe Gibbs guys are doing, but I think he'll eventually get there. For me, I'm saying I think basically everyone from I Gibbs on down is must win. AJ Allmendinger, I still think is on the fritz of it just because that car and team ran well at Michigan last year. Uh, generally, colleague is pretty good at the super speedways and you got the road courses. Where I'm worried is Richmond and Pocono. Uh, he only has, I think, two career win or uh, top tens, I should say, at Pocono. Uh, and Richmond, I think he finished 27th, if I'm right, at uh, in the spring. But I still think he can get enough points to be in that hunt. Uh, but from there on down, yeah, I am. I'm the same way. Like must win territory. Gibbs, I think, is it. It's he's just not consistent enough yet. I don't think he has enough experience. I don't think he's really, you know, at the same level that uh, Almendinger or Suarez, uh, you know, even a uh, 80% Bowman, like I, I think we're seeing right now, which is another who's definitely in a must win. Uh, I think with Gibbs, maybe this week, uh, he could be a dark horse. Maybe Michigan, he could be a dark horse. Ran well last year there. Uh, but I think right now the points battle is is between those first two and last two, both uh, above and below the line at the moment and that's a shame because ty gibbs was looking pretty good for his rookie season but then like atlanta happened and then new hampshire happened and all of a sudden i mean i think he was like i think i want to say like nine or ten points below the cut line and then the last two races happened and now he's like you know minus 40 something and, so inter interesting enough you know because what happened last year this is this weekend is actually his i guess oh, what yeah. you call his his full year mark that's right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so he would have been ran, running in the Cup Series for a, one whole year now. So, look, it's going to take time. I know his teammates are, you know, having awesome seasons. But, again, those guys, have, you know, they 
They're basically the vets of the team. Ty Gibbs is just a baby right now. Just give him some time. So just the fact he's even in the conversation is a decent rookie season. But yeah, Hendrick Motorsports, you're in shambles, bro. They're in shambles. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, look, I I feel like, you know, it's uh, similar to Stuart Haas that, you know, it feels like we've just been dunking on them. But like, it's so surprising. Like, even with all the injuries and the lack of track time from Bowman and Elliott, I still figured by at um at this point, they would have secured their way in the playoffs off a win or they would have, you know, got, you know, would have gotten above the cut line. But, oh, man, like Bowman, like Danny, what's going on here, though? What's going on here? I was, I was just about to say, get rid of sell houses, buddy. But you know what? I just looked up Alex Bowman real estate. There's a few others that are already out there. He's got some competition. Oh, <laughs> you're the real estate. But he's not even 100 percent. It feels like so. You know, do you want to give him a pass for that to some extent? Sure. But then Chase Elliott, man, just again, he hasn't been the same. It feels like ever since. And, you know, like Jared just said, he didn't even gain anything this weekend, you know, and still a full race of points behind. It's yeah. Six races left. He's going to need the win at this point. They both are. I feel like we haven't talked about. Oh, I'm sorry, Jared. Oh, I'm just saying you also have to factor in if somebody wins, it's really going to 15th right now. Oh yeah, that, and I was gonna mention the guy in fifteenth. We haven't mentioned him yet, but Bubba Wallace, like fifteenth, looks okay, but he's only plus two. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I'm excited about some of the upcoming races. I think Michigan and Pocono will be interesting. Wasn't Michigan? I think he sat on the pole there last yeah, year. Yeah, he finished second. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to those races, but he's also got Watkins Glen in Indianapolis, and we know he's not a great road well, racer. So I, I do worry about his somewhat precarious points position still. Well, and this for Bubba Wallace, in my opinion, is a huge test on can he handle pressure because we yeah. we've talked about how he, you know the mental fortitude he's going to need to build up over time uh we saw earlier in the season him questioning himself for you know uh, for saying rookie mistakes and shouldn't be in cup and all that is that going to reemerge under the pressure of making the playoffs i mean again i am big on michael mcdowell but man if you are in like top tier toyota equipment and you miss to Michael McDowell in front row, that Damn. that's not going to be a good look, I think, to anyone, especially since this, based on history, is the time of the season where he should be getting better, where this team should start hitting their stride more. And it feels like feels like 23-11 has sort of just leveled out. They're better at the start of the year, but in this middle part of the year, they've kind of leveled out maybe a little less than they were last year. And it's it's... I think it's going to be a big test both on the team, but especially on, on him. Yeah. And, you know, he's had, you know, certain fat times where it's like, damn, like, is he going to recover from this type of incident? But they, I mean, he's, he's, in. I mean, good news. He's, you know, above the cut line, bad news is it's, you know, plus two. And there were a few races where you look back and you're like, damn, like, you know, he had a couple of good finishes here and there. He'd definitely be more secure, but Hey, this is his third year at the team, you know, hasn't made the playoffs yet. You know, here's your opportunity. You have six races left, you know, like, and, you know, like they haven't been the best team in the world as of recently. You know, it feels like Tyler Reddick's kind of, you know, flatlined, and it feels like Bubba Wallace sort of has them in a sense. But, I mean, yeah, six races left, and you got two of them road courses. And Indy road course is kind of a wild card in a sense. So maybe you can get, like, a top ten off of, like, you know, just, who, just you know, the field wrecking each other and stuff maybe by accident. But, yeah, you know, the other races for sure. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, if you're Bubba Wallace, do you just try to points race or do you just try to 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 risk it all and just get that win, you know? Like, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting, too. Very interesting. Well, and 
you, you brought up Tyler Reddick, and so that made me start thinking of like looking up how these guys have done. And wow, since a top five in the Coke 600, Reddick has been 35th, 33rd, 30th, 28th, mm. 27th, finally sixth this week. And it got me interested on how Bubba Wallace wow. has been in that same time. And Bubba, since the Coke 600, has been 30th, 17th, 15th, 31st, 25th, and 8th. Yeah, so they just finally turned it around, at least for I, at least one for New race Hampshire. Isn't turning it around. I That's... said at least for New Hampshire, they turned it around, at least for one week. But it, you got six races left, both of them road courses. I mean, Tyler Reddick, I have no problem on road courses, but if you're Bubba Wallace, though, that's going to be a whole nother hurdle. Yeah, but I, I'd say right now, looking at it with six races to go, it's a toss-up at this point. Uh, I mean, it's pretty easy to see with how close they are, but I, anything could change. I mean, 20 points is – that could easily – there could be a 20 to 30-point swing just on someone winning a couple stage points – finishing relatively well like 10th 11th 12th while somebody else gets crashed out in 30th so we'll see and don't forget about Suarez. yeah i mean it's just one point but again drafts for track house you never know i mean like i remember the very beginning of the season looked like they had a ton of speed then have tapered off a bit but hey like you said just you know rack up those you know top 10s or top 15s and then voila you might be in the playoffs well guys i think that's a lot we've covered in a pretty good amount of time here when it comes to uh, the playoffs, New Hampshire, all that. We usually go to TV ratings, but <laughs> because of different news organizations and companies kind of falling out of, of line and all that, we don't have any available numbers at the moment for TV ratings. So I want to bring something up for you guys uh, that's kind of an interesting focus on uh, the channels that NASCAR's on. So as we know, cable subscriptions are down and we use that a lot of time to, to give reasons for why ratings are down in NASCAR, especially the cable races, uh, USA network FS one, and we'll throw in a competitor here in ESPN. Each of them have 72 million cable subscriptions uh, at the start of the contract. That was around 90 for FS one. Uh, and NBC Sports Network, I believe, was like at $85 million or so. The interesting one I saw today was that ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC are only in 88 million homes anymore, only. Uh, this includes YouTube TV. This includes Hulu. This includes all the streaming platforms that provide this. So the way I'd, I, I would kind of bring it forward to you now is the... Main networks, Fox and NBC, have less people watching those local channels now than FS1 did at the start of the contract, which I think is really interesting to look at when you see kind of the way the ratings have went a little bit more, and, and it kind of shows, I think, out of the 130-some million homes that, uh, that, that Nielsen covers, like a good chunk of them do not have any of these TV anymore. Like TV is, is becoming the way of the dinosaurs with it. I think that's just something really interesting. I bring up tonight. I, I want to know if you guys have anything you think is kind of interesting about that. It oh. just makes me kind of bummed the, that the most recent, like, I'll be honest. I kind of like the idea of Xfinity going all to Amazon, like mm -hmm. Amazon doing the entire Xfinity series. I kind of like that idea. I'll be honest. I know not everybody would, I completely understand, but it is the Xfinity series. You know, it's not the end of the, 
some people maybe are ride or die. They only watch the Xfinity <laughs> series, but I see the grandstands. I know that's not true or not common at least. Um, so I really like that idea of dipping your toe into streaming with a major, major disruptor in the media and streaming market. And now it sounds like, you know, Amazon, if they do broadcast some races, it'll be a much smaller uh, deal. You know, that like I kind of just look at that and think people are watching people are watching TV differently. We know that. And this data you're providing there, Jerry, is just more evidence. Yeah. I mean, everyone's switching. Everyone's switching to the Internet, man. It is what it is, which that reminds me, I still need to get my NFL Sunday ticket thing on YouTube TV. I still need to get that. But for NASCAR, I mean, I have to agree with Eric. I mean, like they might as well just go all in with the streaming stuff. I mean, it's the way of the future. And I mean, you just listed those numbers. If it, I feel like this household, I mean, it, they're hemorrhaging, you know, uh, being in these households, man. Just everyone's cord cutting, man. Just it's time to move on. Just go, you know, streaming is the future. You know, go for streaming NASCAR. Definitely the internet is king. Oh, and, and <laughs> I, I think at this point is when you're looking at this new deal, TV, like the way that t- the cable is now is how TV overall will be in probably what, five years. It, it's, yeah. I, I, I'd put it like this to people. Would you really want the main platform nowadays to be radio? Because that's the Ugh. way TV is moving. It's moving. It's moving that way. It's going to yeah. end up being radio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I listen to songs on the radio every now and then. Uh, but that's how people listen to radio now compared to how they used to listen to radio the way that people watch TV now. Now it's moving in a different direction. People watch TV and TV clips in a lot of ways, especially the younger crowd that NASCAR wants. Like, I don't watch SportsCenter. I don't think I've turned on ESPN other than the SRX since before the pandemic because I don't care. Like, I, I do not care to watch a 30-minute Sports Center. I'll just watch, like, a five-minute clip on YouTube they put up. And that's how a lot of people are watching TV now, whereas, you know, I, I get a lot of NASCAR's audience still watches TV conventionally, uh, but the audience they want does not. Yeah. yeah the chat saying, oh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I did, I did find, you had to dig for it. A couple of folks in the chat mentioned that Cindy Yen on Twitter and I, uh, tweeted uh, what appears to be the ratings this week. They were off 3% from the Monday Dover race um, earlier this year. Uh, yeah. just for anyone wondering so comparable to what fs1 pulled in for a same time slot oh, okay yeah i can pull those up really quick um so that I would dig be... for it it's at the bottom of an article <laughs> the bottom of an article well it's, it's sports media watch but they it's all okay. the ratings for all the sports and nascar you know kind of have to just dig for it or so, it's not the headline okay. just over a million viewers um, yes 1.03 million wow that that must have been yeah that was within the last half hour okay yeah yeah um, I mean, man, not not terrible numbers. I'm glad it wasn't under a million because that would have been embarrassing. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I guess good enough there. We got we got tons of information in on that one. Uh, but when it comes to what people, you know, that was sort of what the TVs were pulled to be like. Darian, what other polls we got? It's time for the poll, the famous iceberg poll on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Uh, so I asked on. Uh, on my community tab, what'd you think of the 2023 uh, Crayon 301? 11% of you said it was great. 51% said it was good, meaning 62% net positive. 28% said it was average. 6% below average. 4% bad, which is a 10% net negative. The first comment, I am not shocked whatsoever here, was from Spencer Purcell. Guys, positive, <laughs> negative, or meme? positive meme i'm gonna go positive positive meme that's a meme he had all that time to craft up a good meme (laughs) 
Uh, he says, race gets pelted by rain and storms on Sunday, forced to postpone to Monday. MTJ on Monday. It's showtime. Martin Monday, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. It yeah, really that's is. true. Don't have the championship right now. I'm telling you, it's going to be Martin. <laughs> it's going to be his. <laughs> I, I'm telling you what, if you were to walk off, that would be a hell of a story. Yeah. Uh, looking at the comments here, Doc, Dr. Sam W. Pepper says, the one race per year change really single-handedly revived an entire racetrack. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I'd say the uh, the crowd was probably comparable to what the crowd was last year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did it? Um, what did? What did you think, Danny? Looked like a lot out there for a Monday race. Oh, for a Monday race, absolutely. I mean, okay. I, I wish I wish it could have been ran Sunday because I'll be honest. As far as the people who were camping for that race, it was way more than I expected. And then I, I'd never seen the facility before. And I was wondering, I was like, I don't really see much around the track, but you, I realized when I was there, there was so much more that was outside of speedway. It goes on for a long way. There's tons of people camped mm. out for that one. And, uh, you know, I wish we could have seen the full crowd, but for a Monday, it didn't look far off from what I saw on the Saturday race. Mm. Uh, the Ryan five, nine, seven left the lyrics to buttercup. So we got lyrics back on this. There you go. We have reverted back. Uh, NASCAR Shill says, thank you, Steve Phelps, Steve O'Donnell, and Ben Kennedy. What a great race. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Donnie's 8605 says, pretty good race, and Briscoe gets his first top 10 in over three months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right, because ever since that top five streak, he's been gone. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else we have. Gavin Adcock says, such a good race goes out with a whimper of a finish. Oh, I mean, I expected that to be, I mean, it's New Hampshire, usually. You got uh, a late race restart. Yeah. What go. more do you want? Are you not entertained? Well, obviously not. <laughs> JT Soul says, Monday is for Martin. It yeah. is. Uh, JGR for life with the 19 as his profile pick says, the field got Truexed. <laughs> you just been uh, true X. I'm not sure that word that's going to catch on. I don't know. <laughs> you just been true X. I would say you got Martin instead. Martin, there you go. You got Martin. Jim Cunningham says Chase just lacks speed. Yeah, and and to some extent confidence. I feel like I don't remember where I heard people mention this, uh, but someone mentioned this. This makes Corey LaJoy's run at Gateway look a bit better. Similar track, yep. similar size and shape and style. Yeah, yeah. similar struggles out of the nine. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm uh, I'm not saying that's my opinion. I mean, I, I didn't think the gateway was that bad for Corey LaJoy, but that's what people were saying. I just want to throw it out there. The last three here, the gutter comments here. Uh, first one's from Nathan, who said, I had to work, recorded it, and it didn't even record. Saw the ending, but mad I missed the full race. That sucks. That's, oh, that's damn. Yeah, damn, that sucks. Sorry to hear that. Uh, well, at least somebody said, hey, uh, you can always watch it on NASCAR's YouTube channel. They upload it every Wednesday, to which he said, yeah, yeah. I'll probably do that. So that, that's There good. you go. Um, yeah, and, and good on NASCAR for doing that. Well, for sure. so I saw a lot of people upset with this and a lot of people leaving like, hey, just letting you know, like you won't be able to record the race because USA never changed their TV lineup on mm-hmm. the TV guide. So it just was like SVU episodes in Chicago Fire. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't. They definitely need to fix that definitely yeah need to fix that 
Sure. Uh, creative name says MTJ sure does like to dominate when he wins with a lobster emoji. Yeah, he does. Like, isn't that the still? Is that still a saying where like Truex wins are only boring races? Is that still like the the thing or whatever? I've heard it. I do wonder. Has what's the most exciting race he's won? Because I guess the championship you could consider it, but it was like it was pretty clear he was going to win as long as he didn't screw up. So wait, the Pocono win in twenty fifteen didn't he win by like ten seconds in that one or something like that? I thought it was a a good amount. Okay, it must have been okay because that wasn't like um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I can think of an, an exciting Daytona 500. He lost. Oh, well, Denny Delivers <laughs> says the 2019 Coke 600 is the most exciting, I guess. I don't remember what happened in that race. Yeah, that I can't remember. Terrible. I, I, yeah, but it, was it like, you know, exciting, exciting? Like, I don't know. But Let me look up I, the Let me jog my I'm memory actually looking here. up a list of all of Martin Truex Jr.'s wins. <laughs> now we got to clarify. His second one that came up, MWR, he won that one at Sonoma by eight seconds. Yeah, well, that while, you, really while you guys are looking that up, I'll read the bottom comment from Will oh, England, yes. who the is gutters. a member of a channel. <laughs> oh, oh, Mid Hampshire is all he put. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was the poll, and that'll do it for this edition of the famous Iceberg Poll on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Uh, now, really quick, before we jump on over to the first super chat stage break. I feel like we only need a couple minutes to actually talk about the Xfinity race. Sorry, it side happened. note. I apologize. Okay. I, I went to YouTube and looked up Coke 600, 2019 Coke 600, and I clicked on a Fox highlight video, and I skimmed through it. And the first thing I paused on is a clip of Truex just dumping whoever was driving the Rick <laughs> 452, just, just spinning him out for, like, no reason at all. He's like, that's it. That's it. You know, that was pretty way. exciting to me. You got Truex spinning the 52 car out. <laughs> he, he, never, he never does that. But yeah, so I guess you could say 2019 ones is most exciting, I guess. Spicy Truex that night. Yeah. He junked him. Who is he? You don't even know who's in that car. I came into Oh, Bailey Curry just junked Bailey oh, Curry. Damn. Oh, damn. And we no. know. You know. Yes, your boy. Well, com- coming back to the present here, we had the Xfinity race on Saturday. It was our one race of the weekend. Uh, if Well, unless you want to count uh, the modifieds. But anyway... Uh, John Hunter Nemechek destroyed the field. I think the biggest thing, though, to take from this was that huge-ass restart wreck uh, where Kligerman, who was under the cut line, got taken out. Luckily, Riley Herbst is the guy he's battling, so he didn't lose much, uh, thanks to Riley being Riley. Uh, (laughs) But I don't really know what there really is to take from this race. I thought it was about as straightforward of an Xfinity race as we've had here. Yeah, like there wasn't really. I, hey, look, John Hunter Nemechek, I think he's proved his worth. You know, it, let's say Truex does retire after, and, you know, just walks off into the sunset after winning a potential championship. I would say the first replacement would be John Hunter instantly for sure in that yeah. 19. I did think it was yeah. interesting that NASCAR issued a warning to all three series uh, to stop playing games on restarts after this. Oh, I, that's right. Yeah, I think it was exactly. yesterday. I saw that. I don't know. I don't know what that. If it was just like an email, a, a fax, or what? How how they sent that? A DM? because because that restart <laughs> wreck happened because John Hunter didn't get going. Right. Yeah. I there was well. There's there's arguments that you know John Hunter, you're you're playing too many games. You're waiting too long to get <laughs> to the restart zone. I noticed in the Cup race too, and I don't think a wreck or anything was caused, but I noticed one restart especially where like all of a sudden the whole field was like trying to catch up to each other right before the restart zone. And I think I saw Hamlin was in like row four, and he was like two car lengths back, and all of a sudden he was like right before they got to the restart zone. I 
I was like, he couldn't have intentionally laid back that far, but I know they try that stuff sometimes to get the jump, to get runs. And I just thought it was interesting that NASCAR clearly didn't like something they saw in the Xfinity race and decided to just blanket warn everybody. Like when you issue issue warnings to both dugouts and the one team gets mad that they didn't (laughs) get a chance to retaliate. This is the battle NASCAR has been fighting with a lot of the drivers since the start. I'm ever since I started watching restart games, they'll, they'll always find a way. That's what, that's one of the great things about NASCAR. I love watching is that, that they always find ways around any rule or decree mm-hmm. that NASCAR makes. But yeah. yeah. Shout out to John Hunter Nemechek on, I think this is what fifth win of the season. Something fourth. like that. I think fourth win fourth. of fourth win of the season, fourth one of 2023, but shout out to him for getting that, uh, silver play button. That was pretty cool. I guess he's <laughs> popping on shorts and you know, yeah, I, I didn't even realize that he was, uh, doing much on YouTube and but it's, it's all shorts. Bam. So he's winning in, in everything, I guess. So. Congrats. He also extended his regular season points lead, uh, so he's 33 points up on Austin Hill. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, it sounded like stomping. It might be thunder. I don't know why, but something's coming in here. Oh, gosh. It nearly struck my apartment yesterday. And it's the lightning round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Jarrett, what's up on tap for, this, for tonight? Uh, well, we got a few things here. For NASCAR's 75th anniversary, Lionel is releasing the 75 Wins Collection, which is eight die casts of the eight drivers who have over 75 wins. Um, cool. Pretty mm. cool. Uh, these were TV nice. ratings that were released before 30 minutes ago. Uh, only <laughs> 395,000 people watched the SRX Season 3 premiere. That is down 59% from the season two premiere and down 70% from the first race ever. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying there was a big dirt race going on, but based on the subscription service that had, I think a hundred thousand subscribers, <laughs> I'm going to say that that wasn't <laughs> what was the big problem. No, yeah. come on. Uh, y'all. I mean, to be fair, they did move from K off of network onto cable, but I mm. did expect a little higher considering ESPN is like the most watched. Yeah. I think it's like the second most watched cable channel. And the but broadcast how much was advertising good. have you seen from ESPN for it? Not I, the most. I saw a couple ads during like the home run derby the Monday before, but like I, I hadn't seen. I, like I felt like the only promotion I'd seen was on Twitter. But maybe now, that's just in the wrong places. Now it's a little different. It's a little different. They had it like the logo and like the time and day on like the bottom right. Um, I guess with like the ticker thing, but that's about it. That's well, all I've seen this week. And based on the numbers that we talked about earlier, that. Only an 18% difference between ESPN and the panels, too. So, yikes. Um, This is something I saw. Eventually, this will be in place, like they said it would be one day. Verizon says that it recently expanded 5G wireless phone service around the Daytona International Speedway as well as the town itself with upgrades, says Adam Stern. I remember a time... did say that forever ago? Yeah, like 2018, 2019, they said something like that. That didn't happen. Come Um, on. This is interesting to look at when it comes to the future of the Chicago street race. It boosted their hotel occupancy by 79%, according Mm. to Adam Stern. I love how the the people in Chicago try to be like, well, it was no Taylor Swift concert. And it's like, well, no duck. <laughs> Dude, like, what the fuck? What is that supposed to mean? Like, I, I bet if you compared like the average for a Bears game, it's not going to match a Taylor Swift concert. Bruh, they're the, like, oh, Swift Taylor Swift is filling up literally 
every football stadium she goes yeah. to, and there's still thirty thousand other screaming girls outside that couldn't get and in. Isn't yeah. she doing like sh- two shows a week? So she'll fill up like AT and T Stadium in Dallas twice but, in one yeah, week. Yeah, she was. She had she had the Titan Stadium filled up three nights in a row. Even one time they waited out in the worst storms, worse than what you guys are having today, and <laughs> they still waited out and did it at one in the morning. But then, but she was like, but whoever said that was like, oh, it's no Taylor Swift concert. Like, yeah, it's a freaking sporting event. Thank you. Thank you for my favorite clip. Someone needs to find it and tweet at me again. But it was like, I think it was like Jeff Burton and Taylor Swift, like announcing like something at the Country Music Awards in like 2007. (laughs) I just love seeing Jeff Burton on stage with Taylor Swift. Burton (laughs) tweeted it was like, I was that guy. It's like, oh, my God. That's how big it was. That's how big it was. And then last on here, guys, remember Tuesday, August 22nd on IDK Players Channel is the NWP 400, where we'll have 40 of the best iRacers out there on Daytona, same week as Daytona, uh, and it's going to be a ton of fun. I'll be announcing. Darian will be driving. Well, he's got to make pass the duels that Friday before. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. twin 125s, and then Danny and Eric will be down in the chat hyping y'all up. Well, that you might be hyping them up with how it, it, intense this is going to be. Uh, Gen 6 cars, old Gen 6 package from the end of the, the era that they had with the super speedways, so it's going to be an absolute blast. But, uh, yeah, I think that about covers it. Not Not too not, huge. Not to skip your uh, super chats, but sorry, people. I know guy Swifties are out there too. <laughs> we don't discriminate. And that's it for this edition of the famous lightning round on the NASCAR weekly podcast. And now back to the show, but really quick, just wanted to put a little shameless plug here. I will be playing in a baseball game this weekend in Portland against the Portland of uh, the, uh, the Portland pickles. Yeah, that's a real professional baseball team, and I have the helmet ready and everything and stuff. Oh, my go. God. Yeah, Got the helmet on. ready and everything. So here I go. I'm ready to go. I need to get a haircut. We I got need to get a haircut. We finally got Derry in a safety helmet. <laughs> not the Portland I was at, but the no, uh, no Oregon. Portland, Oregon. So uh, catch that. I believe it's going to be streamed on either Urinating Tree or Five Points Channel, but I'm going to be playing in a game on Saturday against actual professionals. With very little training. <laughs> so it's going to get be your fun. ass kicked. It's going to be fun. <laughs> We're all going to get, well, I heard the last game, they got only one hit against the other team they played. So all we need to do is just get one hit and it'll be a success. You're, you're, I'm, you're I'm pretty just hoping you get one hit. <laughs> Darren, you're pretty quick. Do you, you know how to bunt? You know how to drop down a, a sick bunt down the third baseline? Hey, I I know how to bunt for sure. I I just got to get the form down for the batting form. You know what I mean? Okay. I've been watching. I'm, I'm I've just, been watching some tutorials. I'm just picking. So. I'm just picturing Darian now for bat like like la 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 <laughs> ninety five mile per hour fastball. Uh, these, well, these are professionals, bro. They're gonna bring it. So let's do some chin music. <laughs> let's get back to the business of racing before we watch Darian make a fool out of himself in front of professionals. I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> this the, this is something that uh, we talked about earlier in the show with him racing at. Indy in the 91 again, uh, but SVG is rumored, and not just rumored, it sounds like it's credible rumors that he's going to be coming to NASCAR full-time in 2024. So I'm going to ask you guys, and I want you guys, we talked about before the show, and I think you guys all have different ones here, which team do you think he'll go to and why? So it's a no-brainer to me. He want oh gosh, there we go. All right, now y'all can see me. But anyways, it's a no-brainer to me. You know, he already, he's only made one Cup Series start up to this point for Trackhouse. And it happened to be a win. 
You know, there's already some brand identity there that you can really capitalize on. I think track house is the best bet. And I know, I know, yeah, we love the project 91 car. I get it. It has a lot of potential to bring others in, but you know, now you had a guy who's not only won in it, but now he has aspirations to go cup series racing. And, you know, he's, you know, he's in, you know, he's um, um, one of these international drivers too. So, you know, he's going to have a ton of support from his home country and a ton of sponsorship opportunities as well from, you know, outside the, uh, the States, of course, there's a lot of potential there. And, you know, like, I don't know, I feel like, you know, if he does bring the funding and stuff, then, you know, perhaps, you know, a third team could be started and, you know, maybe put an end to the project 91 deal for a little while, but you know, if he wants to run full time, I feel like, you know, hey, he's already won Where's a track house. So Where's yeah, the charter? that's that's the thing. That's the thing. So that's the thing. They'd have to get all that sorted out. But uh, but yeah, if you, if you want to, you know, go somewhere where you can have immediate brand identity and stuff, but you have to get the charter situation taken care of first, then track house would be the best bet. But a lot of factors would have to go in a lot of factors. My, I think we're going to be saying that for a lot of our answers. Where is the charter? Well, my team would also need to be looking for the charter potentially, but I'm, I'm thinking his best bet could potentially be colleague racing. And hear me out on this. AJ Allmendinger, great driver. He's established at this point. Do we think he's going to do great success at this point in the Cup Series? Maybe not. He could always go back down to the Xfinity Series and do some good things there like he had been. We could potentially see SVG get a chance to take over Almondinger's ride. We could even see them willing to put up the money and get another charter from potentially, let's just say Rick Ware Racing. You know, with what's happened to a son, maybe Rick Ware isn't wanting to put out multiple cars now at this point. Maybe they just want to have one. So let's say he wants to sell a, ch a charter and colleague comes by and that could be a good opportunity for them. So maybe we see SVG, you know, take over Almendinger's ride, send him down. Maybe we see Chandler Smith brought into that lineup too. Who knows? Maybe Chandler Smith still stays back down to Xfinity Series. I think that could potentially be where SVG goes. You talked about needing a charter. My uh, pick would not need a charter. Uh, they're already maxed out with four charters. Uh, but if Eric Almirola chooses to step away, which if I had to guess, I bet he's leaning that direction right now, despite SHR's best efforts to keep him around and keep his midfield around, that 10 car needs a solid, experienced race car driver. Look at the other driver Stuart Haas Racing has uh, begun their rebuild with. You know, they've selected Josh Berry, who doesn't have a ton of NASCAR experience, but he's a veteran, experienced race car driver. Same goes for Ryan Priest. I think he's 32 years old, 33 maybe. Uh, and again, not a ton of NASCAR experience, but he's a great modified racer. Uh, Chase Briscoe, tremendous road course racer. He's only in his second full-time Cup Series season, but he's also, I think, 28. You know, Tony Stewart said he doesn't want to put a rich kid with a rich dad in his Cup car. Shane Van Gisbergen is as far from that description as you could possibly be. Uh, he's 34 years old. I think he'll be 34 by the time next year starts. Not a ton of NASCAR experience, although what we've seen so far has been very impressive. And with the way the format goes, I think SVG is a lock to win a road course a year and get your team in the playoffs. He's a three-time Supercars champ. I think that would fit in very nicely with the other seasoned racers that make up Stuart Haas's driver lineup. So I'll admit one of the ones that I thought, I won't say which one, I think would probably be the number one choice. Uh, Trackhouse... 
I will say I don't know about that one just because of the charter situation, but there are free agency options open with those other two. But I want to think a little outside the box on this one. Uh, there are teams that over the years have went from complete laughing stocks to being fringe contenders for the playoffs to now being full-on playoff contenders. The big one we're looking at is front row right now. But there's another team that I think is two years, maybe even a year behind on that trajectory. A team that was a laughing stock that turned into, well, they show up at the super speedways to they're a fringe playoff contender right now, and they need that extra step to move up. Uh, they have one driver set with it, but they don't have another. Spire, I think, is one that people are overlooking a little bit. It's in that Chevy tree, just like Trackhouse is. Uh, the 77, let's be honest, they're looking probably, I, I would guarantee they're looking to move on from somebody that is the caliber of Ty Dillon. Uh, you got SVG, he doesn't need to be good every week. You just need him for the road courses and you're qualified for the playoffs. Doesn't matter if he's, you know, doing as well as 2009 Juan Pablo Montoya or if he's Dario Franchitti in his 10 races in NASCAR. Uh, what matters is those road courses and just have him run the rest of the races as a formality. Uh, whether he'll go for that, I don't know. But Spire, I think, has the, the probably the money to put up for it. They have the open seat. And they have Steve Letarte there, so there might be able to be a connection to Hendrick Motorsport. Then I, who wouldn't think that Rick Hendrick would want to capitalize on a situation like this? So while it's outside the box, I do think Spire should be a dark horse in this conversation. I like it a little outside the box. I think I like all four of our scenarios and there's always the possibility that it's something we haven't even mentioned. I mean, RCR is oh, feeling a car for hey. Brody Kostecki this weekend or at, at Indianapolis. So who knows? <laughs> what about maybe the Wood Brothers? Maybe? I don't know. There's a single car operation. I, you know? I don't know enough about the supercar side of things. I'm flying blind on this, but I know he drives a Chevy over there. How linked to SVG or is SVG to Chevy? Like, has he been a Chevy guy forever? I don't think so. I've seen clips See, of him driving other cars. So I don't the, know how well, the way to Chevrolet. The way Joss Ravel described the series to me nowadays is that it's pretty much on its last leg from what he's described to me. So I don't know if there's much factory supporters there used to be in the sport mm -hmm. anymore, but I would assume if it's Chevy, I mean, like Chevy, they always keep tabs with, you know, all their drivers, I feel like, you know, um, to a heavy degree. So I would assume that there's some sort of alliance there. There might be some sort of loyalty there. So yeah, maybe it might just be limited to Chevy teams in the future. And mm -hmm. something else that might be a little outside the box too. What if what if he goes for a year in Xfinity before coming up to Cup just to get better at those ovals while still not going straight into the fire? Because again, I think he's a, he's a great driver. He showed that at Chicago, uh, but he is completely unproven on NASCAR ovals against NASCAR drivers. There's even a a top Chevy opening with the eight car now. Now probably if we had to guess would go to Hosevar, uh, but there could be other openings. What if the one opens up too, and there's two openings at JRM. Uh, they probably should let the nine have an opening if I were to, <laughs> to choose. Uh, so I don't think he will, but I think that is something that could be a fallback plan for a better option to open up in 2025 as well. Uh, just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind as well. Yeah. Uh, but My scenarios. I, I didn't know this in the chat. They're saying uh, SVG used to drive for Holden, which is under the GM umbrella. It's like they're Australian Oh, ranch. I did not know that. I thought I've okay. seen videos of him in a Ford as well, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Mm -mm. That is interesting. I didn't know. I've never heard of that. 
Interesting. Well, ending yeah. the poll here, 50% in there think it's actually a pretty clean numbers here. 50% see Whoa. Uh, track house and 20 each to Spire and Stuart Haas and 10% for colleague. Yeah. Uh, so I- I'm surprised that, that how easily split that was uh, to read off. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be something I think we all have to watch with Silly Season. It's a, it's a fold that I don't think any of us really saw coming until about two weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But going from looking towards the future, let's look back at the past again and continue our top 75 driver series here today. Uh, so starting out, let's let's get rid of all of this stuff here. Uh, I'm looking now, forward to this list. Yeah, yeah. and now we're officially uh, past the halfway point, correct? Uh, we've yeah, been past. Or we've been past it? Past. Okay, okay. We're well All past. Right. Uh, so yeah. today is 30 through 26. Uh, 30th is a guy who has won, who had won 28 wins and only 233 starts. He has a 69% nice career top 10 <laughs> rate, and he's the 1960 NASCAR Cup Series champion, none other than 30th place Rex White. So guys, we're uh we're pretty similar with it. Thirty first for me in the chat, thirtieth for Danny, thirty fifth for Eric. But Darian, you got him twenty third. Kind of justify your ranking here. I mean, dude, he had a freaking below. Like, I mean, it basically at the very least, a ninth place average finish. I was looking at his like stats or whatever on Racing Reference when I was like pointed out. I'm like, you have to give this guy his flowers, man, because in the races he ran in, like you just finished in the top 10 consistently. And this was in fields with like, you know, 40 and 50 cars, some races, you know, it was a ton of them, you know, back in the day. Um, and yeah, you know, he's the 1960 champion as well, you know, and, you know, didn't really race, you know, a whole, whole lot, you know, like, you no, know, not a whole lot of full-time seasons, but you know, like, yeah, like it says right here, 28 wins and just, uh, a little over 230 starts so in the starts in the races he did run and he was awesome he was spectacular and most importantly he was consistent that's why i had him so high up there fun fact about uh, uh about rex white is uh his championship crew chief i believe was jeremy clements's uh either i think it was his technically his uncle oh interesting just a fun fact i know nice nice danny Mm, nothing more to add. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll Rick, add Rick. a little bit more here. Then he was top ten in points from 1958 to 1963. And Darren, you talked about his average being a 9.0. Uh, so definitely, I'd say one of the best. Somebody who's definitely been overlooked, I think, by history. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Moving to 29th, we have a guy who has 25 wins in 230 starts, but. He also won two championships, 1962 and 1963. In 29th place, one of the all-time greats here, Joe Weatherly. And Darian, again, you're the outlier. Mm-hmm. Me and Eric have him 33rd, Danny 35th, Chat 28th. You got him 17th on the board. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Dude, this guy was the, he was the man in the early 60s, man. 62, 63 back to back champions was about to go for, you know, three, you know, three in a row. Unfortunately, passed away in a horrible crash at Riverside. So, you know, never won a championship, excuse me, never won a third championship. But again, similar stats to, to Rex White. 
made 230 starts and got 25 wins. So when he was on, he was on, man. And uh, again, you know, I I just didn't want to I didn't want to be too uh, um I didn't want to show too um too much recency bias here. You know, I feel like, you know, these past drivers you definitely need to give them their flowers, especially to the champions and stuff that you know, like it, it, I felt like back in those days, you had to hustle a lot, you know, to get certain rides because back in the back in those days, the championship driver usually never drove for the same team. I believe in those two seasons, like he drove for Joe Weatherly drove for multiple teams and was still able to carve out two straight championships Winning back to back in those days too. impressive. Yeah. And I'm looking at, uh, I just pull up his stats to confirm this. You know, he was part-time, part-time handful of starts. Maybe he'd run a third or half the schedule. The moment he went full-time champion. Next year, mm-hmm. full-time champion. So, uh, no, to your point, I think if his career hadn't been tragically cut short, um, like we could be talking about him. I mean, I don't know, maybe in the same breath. I mean, he could be a three or four-time champion mm-hmm. in the same conversation as Bobby Allison or Daryl Waltrip. You he know? looked well so, in his uh, way in 1964, starting the season as hot as he yep. was ending 63 as well. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and Danny, you'll kind of like uh, where he had his first win at, too, back in 1958, mm-hmm. I believe. Oh, yeah, it's a place you'll find Darian most often at yep. uh, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Yep, and Jonathan, the IDK, doing the commentating for sure. Yeah, hey, hey, you had to be a driver's driver to win, especially back in those days at that track there. But, yeah, no, Joe Weatherly, man, one of the greatest. I would say back then in the 50s, there wasn't many places you could say with a crown jewel people wanted to win, but Nashville might have been one of the places that they wanted to win at back then. Yeah, I don't know exactly the tracks he won at, but I mean, according to the itinerary, I don't think he won any like um any of those crown jewel races. So I believe maybe the Nashville one might be his biggest win just off of the track's history. But somebody pointed out in the chat, they're like, Darian's messing up the list because he has these older drivers so high up. I'm like, hey, you might be right. You might be right. <laughs> uh, it, it would only be, it would only maybe be a position or two. That's it. But but uh, speaking of, of the next position, is somebody I think a lot of people at home are gonna be very, mm-hmm. very familiar with. We talked about him already today. His 35 career cup wins, a perennial championship threat almost every year of his career. The 2012 NASCAR Sprint Cup Series champion, Brad Keselowski. And you knew I had to have that big-ass cup of beer on here, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Danny, <laughs> you have him highest. See, Darian has him 31st. I have him 29th. Chat 27th. Eric 25th. And Danny, you have him 23rd. It's interesting. We all have him like two spots apart in increments mm-hmm. here. But Danny, why oh. is Brad Keselowski 23rd on your ranking? Maybe it's just recency bias more than anything. But Brad has been a guy he's, you know, yeah, we ain't seen him win a little bit. But he even then, he's he's showing now what kind of driver he is to take a team like RFK, become an ownership role in it, and has helped get them, you know, back to – a winning form again, getting a win last year. But now, even even now, he's contending week in and week out in that six car, just showing that what kind of talent he is. And from the moment he even started in NASCAR, I remember my first race I went to, I was a big junior fan. So I see a, an 88 car on track. It's Brad Kozlowski. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this guy. So mm-hmm. I've literally been watching him ever since 2009 and watched his rise into the Cup Series. So, uh, you know, it's it's been really cool to watch him go from, you know, the Nationwide Series, a climb to the guy he is today. And, uh, you know, I think he's, he's just proved to be a really good talent at one point i think i was getting tired of seeing him win so that shows what kind of talent he was at one point when he first entered a cup series i mean honestly you thought he could be like the next jeff gordon when he really 
when he really got to winning, when he first got started, he looked like he had a lot of potential. Kind of slowed off in some parts, but overall still a really good driver. He's at 35 wins. If he had stayed with Penske, I think he'd already be at 40. I think he'd probably, I mean, that probably puts him in the top 20 all-time win list, right? And, you know, so I had him at 25th because he's also a champion and he's won every crown jewel minus the Daytona 500 at this point. And it's only a matter of time. I feel like how fast Roush is and how good he's been at Talladega historically. So, uh, no, Brad Keselowski to me, easily top 30 all time. Uh, and he's he's not done. Like that's the thing. How old is Brad? Thirty eight, maybe. Uh, maybe one of y'all said it a second ago. I'm not sure. I'll look up. Um, he's got. I mean, now that he owns the car, he drives. He could mm-hmm. race for five, seven, eight more years. And 39. I think the thirty nine. Okay. I think the you know the the trajectory RFK is on. He's going to win again. And I, I you know, selfishly, I don't know if I want him to get to thirty nine where my boy Kenseth is, but he might. It'll be close. He might end up in that forty range where you know that's Mark Martin territory. You know. It's unbelievable to see his career progress. Like I remember him wrecking in back for, for back marker truck teams back in like Oh four Oh five. I believe he was driving for his father at some points too, maybe, but you know, he gets the opportunity really with Jermaine racing at first. He, he uh, scores the pole at, at, at Milwaukee in 2007. And then all of a sudden Shane Huffman gets let go from junior motorsports and there, then, you know, there's all of a sudden, um, a, uh, a major opening, um, just as they're about to start the Hendrick motorsports partnership. And, you know, it's about being at the right place at the right time and seizing your opportunity. And Keselowski did that. And then once he moved up to cup, you know, got the opportunity with team Penske after scoring that upset victory for James Finch. And then, Hey, it yeah, took a little, it took a couple of years and then voila, he's a champion. But well, he's never been forget cons- he got Phoenix Racing their one and only win. Brad yeah. Kozlowski won that race. Well, yeah. he's also been consistently really good too. Uh, qualified for the chase and playoffs ten times now. Final four in 2017 and 2020. The same year in 2020 that he won the Coke mm-hmm. 600. And I think people forget he back to back won the Southern 500 and Brickyard 400 in 2018. So Brad Kozlowski and- is well worthy of this list. The numbers speak for themselves. And, you know, like you said, he's 39, but he's not done yet. I don't think he's close to being done yet. The next guy on this list, though, I think is one of the most, I'd say, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say underrated, but definitely under visualized drivers. Like people just do not see him. And he wanted it this way, the way that he ran his career. He has 37 career cup wins, the 1970 champion of NASCAR. Bobby Isaac, and we are really, really close together with this one. Everyone had him between 24th and 29th on their list of a Bobby Isaac, somebody who really just went by the beat of his own drum, one of the most independent minds in all of NASCAR. And I got to say, for that reason, I really respect Bobby Isaac because he did not have to be that way. Mm-mm. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking at these stats. He once won 17 races in 1969, but didn't win the championship. <laughs> he yeah. was. He did to a win. lot of these guys back then. They would just be so good, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't yeah. run all the races. Yeah, he did win the most popular driver award in 1969. So he oh, got there you go. He got a trophy. Got he got something. But yeah, 37 career cup wins though. I mean, that's not bad. 1970 Cup Series champion. Um, didn't he also set, um, set like a speed record or something? I know it's not NASCAR related, yeah, outside but of NASCAR. yeah, yeah, but still, that's pretty cool that he also had, you know, reaches outside of NASCAR, you know, to do stuff like that. 
Um, oh, and he won 20 poles in 69. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. 1969 was an 69 awesome 69 was a rather nice year for him. It really was, man. Just needed that champion. But he didn't run all the races. But still, even the races he did run, similar to Rex White and Joe, and, and Joe Weatherly, was awesome when he did run in them. I also remember the, I don't remember what year it was, but, you know, didn't Bobby Isaac sort of like semi-retire at one point? He pulled out of mm-hmm. a race uh, and then eventually well, came back to it, but or came back and raced again. But he, I believe that was also like, uh, he was like a part of Dodge's whole deal. Like they were kind of like, they were banned from NASCAR for a little bit, I think. And then they came back, I believe. Well, and also, I believe he was one of the only drivers who did not join, was it the was it PDA? Uh, the, the basically... The not a union, but totally was a union uh, that boycotted the first Talladega race. He was one of three cup drivers to drive that race. Uh, mm-hmm. And looking at the 1969 season, uh, you th- this is how you can tell that so much of their point system back then was so wonky and weird. So <laughs> he only had one less race than champion David Pearson. He had won six more races. Now, Pearson also had 42 and 44 uh, when it came to 42 top fives and 44 top tens with a 5.3 average. But, I mean, he was, I, I would say he was probably the third best driver only behind David Pearson and Richard Petty, which, again, like many of these drivers from, I'd say, about 20 to, hmm, I'd say maybe 40 on this list, one of the best ever to race against the absolute best ever. Uh, but I think that about cover it for Bobby Isaac at P27. Uh, One more. Again, that 20 polls that he won is the record for most in the season, still standing today. Uh, but the last one on this list uh, is somebody who is a, a very uh, just amazing name, amazing name for, for NASCAR, just like a lot in the early days. With 33 career, uh, career cup wins, if I could talk, 33 career cup wins, the 1962 Daytona 500 champion, among other crown jewel wins, second place in the points in 1950, Fireball Roberts uh, is 26th on this list, Chat and Danny have him 29th, Eric 28th, me 25th, Darian, again, I'm going to put you on the spot here, 19th, I think you had like some... Like the what's the opposite of recency bias here? Hey, I dug into the books into the Latency history bias. Books, I dug into the history books for this one. I told you I was the first one to turn my list in. I took it serious. But Fireball Roberts, just like Joe Weatherly, would be way higher on this list had he lived on. He also yeah. lost his life in 1964, and unfortunately, um, well, Ned Jarrett was involved in the crash and you know tried to save him, but. I mean, he, he, um, his body was too burnt up and unfortunately just passed away. But before that, you know, he was uh, he was really one of NASCAR's first original superstars, you know, like, um, you know, you go back to those um, to those um, uh, to those uh, early days of the sport. And he was just one of those drivers where, you know, fans would just flock to the racetrack, especially Charlotte, to see Fireball Roberts race. He had the name. He had the charisma. Um, 1962 Daytona 500 champion won the Southern 500. Uh, he never won a championship, and honestly, I feel like you can make the argument like he's, um, you know, you could, um, you could even make the argument he might be the greatest NASCAR driver never to win a championship. Maybe I there's an argument to be made there, sort of to some extent. But yeah, no, Fireball Roberts, even though he didn't win a championship, 
even though his career was cut short, still remembered as one of the all-time greats. That's why I had him in the top 20. Yeah, he's absolutely on the list. Uh, I had him just behind Bobby Isaac and Brad Keselowski on my list, and that, I think, is solely because he didn't win a championship, unfortunately. But to your point, Darian, he won just about everything else there was to win. And and uh, like Joe Weatherly, if his career hadn't been tragically cut short, who knows? I think there's a you can make an argument that that championship would have came at some point. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's one of the more recognizable names in stock car racing fireball Roberts. Um, so I, I think definitely worthy of a spot inside the top 30. I just had him slightly behind Keselowski and Isaac. Well, and I'm, I'm looking too, and you know, he won a race in 1950, uh, right off the bat, uh, in the early years, he did not win again. Whoa. Granted, he only raced, I think like, something races but he didn't win again until 1956 which he won every single year through 1964 he was only 35 years old when he passed i know still Uh, a long way to go he could have easily raced well into the 70s i mean the way drivers were back then he could probably race into the early 80s maybe not successful it could have been a it could have been an even bigger name than what he was yeah Yeah. he i mean wins he could have been the guy that like you know drivers and team owners said like hey i gotta have walter in my car he's just the number one guy he could have been like that you know yeah oh and, and wins wise with how many races that they were running up until the the realignment of the modern era he probably could have gotten up to the 50s mark he could be up there where lee petty is easily uh so i, I and when you look at his points finishes too uh he had let's see second points in 1950 uh, he had then after that five more finishes in the top 10 in points, including two fifth place runs in 61 and 63. Uh, so definitely a, a driver one with a ton of missed potential because of what happened, but also just an absolute stud in his time. Uh, but that'll about wrap it up for this week, 30 through 26. We got 25 through 21 next week, but just to give you the quick rundown. 30th is Rex White. 29th, Joe Weatherly. Brad Keselowski made this list at 28th. 27th, Bobby Isaac. And 26th, Fireball Roberts. We'll be sure to uh, have some pretty recognizable names as well next week. But guys, I'm going to bring you back up through time all over again. It is time for Pocono. Oh, yes. Pocono. Pocono weekend. Pocono. Uh, looking at the Pocono weekend coming up here though, uh, one note for this weekend, I figured I'd let you know late kind of entry to it here, but Daniel Suarez will be in the number 10 for colleague in the Xfinity series. Uh, but looking forward to the race weekend, I'll go chronological order on this one. So Thursday night, we have another race in Stafford for the SRX starting at 9 PM Eastern time on ESPN. Uh, the, Thursday forecast at the moment is partly cloudy with a 25% chance of rain, so better than last week, 84 degrees. Defending winner, aha, last week, Denny Hamlin, which I got right. Uh, Looking at the entry list, if I can pull it up right here, we have 13 cars this week. I mean, look at that. We're we're making ground, guys, at at Mm. this rate. You know, know, in three years, we'll have 14 cars now. But the uh, 13 cars in the field this week, uh, and this is the starting lineup, by the way, for the first heat, is Haley Deegan, Tony Stewart, Paul Tracy, Ryan Newman, Greg Biffle, Ken Schrader, Brad Keselowski, Daniel Suarez, Bobby Labani, Marco Andretti, 
Ryan Priest, Kenny Wallace, and Tony Kanan. Mm. Uh, so that's going to okay. be fun, if it's anything like last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, we also have a doubleheader on Saturday at Pocono, starting with the truck race at noon Eastern time on FS1 and MRN. 60 laps for the CRC Brackleen 150. 15 laps, 15 laps, and 30 laps are the stage lengths. Uh, defending winner of this race, Chandler Smith. The weather is forecast to be 75, partly sunny for Saturday, with an 11% chance of rain, uh, which goes also forward to 5.30 p.m. Eastern time on USA and MRN for the Pocono 225. I don't know if they got a name for it yet, but that's what it was last time I checked. 90 laps, uh, 20, 20, and 50 are the stage lengths for it. Uh, Noah Gregson is your defending winner of this one. Then the cup race, the high point 400, 160 laps at the Pocono Raceway, 30, 65, 65 are the stages, starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on USA and MRN. Uh, This Sunday's forecast is 79 degrees, hazy out but sunny, 19% chance of rain, defending winner of this tape. Oh, and Chase Elliott. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So... That's what we're looking forward to. And something else we're looking forward to is who's going to be up towards the front and who to bet on. Darian, who you got? Oh, yes. So the betting odds, they they don't really know who to pick because the top three are tied. Martin Trex Jr., Kyle Busch, and Denny Hamlin all entered this weekend at plus 550 apiece. Kyle Larson is plus 750. And rounding out the top five is William Byron at plus 900. Best of the rest, Ryan Blaney plus 1100. Ross Chastain and Chase Elliott plus 1200. Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell plus 1,400. As for the underdogs, very interesting picks. Harvick and Logano were plus 1,600. That's something to really take advantage of. Daniel Suarez is plus 2,800. Uh, Brad Kozlowski plus 3,500. And his teammate Chris Busher is plus 6,000. So take over, you know, take advantage of those. You know, do with that information what you will. Um, as for the fantasy leagues, let's t- go over the top five in the main NWP fantasy league. Uh, Sean forty eight NY um, is leading uh, less than ten points over Trevor Sports ninety eight in second round. M in P three is Polish Victory Lap. P four is forty eight Nation, and rounding out the top five is B. FN. Let's go. And as for the second NWP Fantasy League, um, uh, just a 27-point lead, but Race Roar 48 leads over Room HMS. And third is JC underscore 43. Fourth is 42 Larson 5. And rounding out the top five is one of my favorite names, unofficial Illinois representative. Illinois. Yes. <laughs> or yes, Illinois, excuse me. I keep saying noise. Gosh, Illinois representative. But now, this is going to be my new favorite segment, the pick points, at least for this week. Ooh, let's get to those. Yeah, let's congr- get to those. congrats to Darian, who got the sweep last week. That's uh, big. That, Against that, all the odds. Yeah, so I got go. those extra 10 bonus points on top of the 5-4 cup. Uh, and what we got here is a big shift. 371 points to the chat. Eric, you're minus 14. Darian up to third, solidly only 43 back now. I'm in fourth, minus 53. I got the SRX pick right, at least. And Danny is down in the basement, minus 64. We got some space between all of us now in this one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Still pretty close compared to where we were the last two years. Uh, But Darian making a bit of a case at this point that he might be able to get himself back into this thing. Got the first 
sweep of 2023, which oh, yeah. I think great. the last two years we've had by this point at least two or three sweeps uh, by different wow. people. So good oh, on you, Darren. Good on you. Nice. Finally, some finally goes my way. Damn, <laughs> about time. But Eric, what's going on, man? You're letting the chat get away from you, man. What's happening? Christopher Bell, uh, his pit crew, and then him uh, just uh, choked it. I mean, he he. I think I reset the stat. In seven National Series starts in New Hampshire, he'd finished first or second. No, I'm sorry. In eight National Series starts, he'd finished first or second seven times. Uh, and that did not happen on Sunday, so... Did the chat pick Bell too, though? Maybe that's not where I yeah, got lost. I thought everyone picked Bell except yeah, me. Yeah, it was everyone but Darian picked <laughs> Bell. Where did yeah. I lose ground? Uh, I the Xfinity uh, right? race. We I all don't picked, remember who I picked. You, you didn't pick John Hunter like the rest of us. <laughs> oh, you uh, all picked John Hunter? For the most uh, part. Yeah. Uh, but looking, I, had, I had Paul Custer as the only one. Well, looking at these picks here, uh, moving forward, I just want to let you know this is, again, we'll, we'll review this while the SRX is going. Got your normal pick points up here for Cup Xfinity and Trucks, and then plus four for the SRX. Only the guy who picks the winner or guys that pick the winner get the plus four. Uh, that does not count towards a sweep as well. Uh, so with that knowledge in place, let's go with our SRX picks. Eric, lead us off. Who you got? Maybe a boring pick, and maybe I'm buying into the hype. This dude's done nothing well for a long, long time, but like this is his track, so I'm going to go Ryan Priest. He's <laughs> done <laughs> nothing well for a long I mean, time. He just, he just hasn't, <laughs> but this is this is like this is his backyard. This is where everything turns around, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Tony Stewart on this one. Listen, I, uh, I always would pick Smoke. I'm not going to. Priest, tempting. I don't trust him. I'm going to go with the guy who probably should have won the first week, Ryan Newman. I'm going last week. I had the guy who I felt was the best short track racer in that schedule. And this week I'm saying the same thing. Ryan Priest for me too. Uh, I would pull the chat, but it's pretty clear it's going Newman. Yeah, and also I forgot this. I didn't realize this until they turned it on. I forgot they took away the whole local driver thingy or whatever. I I, I missed that a little bit, but eh. A little. Yeah, because well, I saw Doug Kobe was racing in the modified race I was at on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, he's a former SRX winner, and now yeah. he doesn't get a chance to do it. Mm-mm. Well, let's keep going into the weekend here with the truck picks. Eric, who you got on this one? My favorite. It's time time, baby. Corey Heim. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Look, this guy, he hasn't done me wrong. Um, you know, when I picked him, I was gonna go with Heim or Smith at first, but then found out over liable was in the field. KFB, Kyle Bush wins at Pocono. Yeah, I'm going KFB as well. Yeah, sorry, Eric. We're gonna probably go by you on that one. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Right, we'll I... see. But the chat, whoa, whoa, chat. Uh. <laughs> Kyle Bush is only one saying, for uh, one for four and wins this year in trucks. Yeah, that is true. I'm saying a toss up between now, uh, eh, it's more campaign. Yeah, me? no, it's it's looking yeah. Kyle I, like I'm, we're gonna give I, Kyle Bush to the. Tr- I think they yeah. also see an opportunity to go thirder from Eric on that one. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm feeling yeah. good about this pick. Yeah, they're giving Kyle Bush. Yeah. Well, it's not, not a, a driver's. Pick. It's not a driver's track. This is a how much horsepower? Yeah. Arrow. 
That is I like true. Toyota. I like Toyota over Chevy. And I mean, you know, I've seen I've well, seen Kyle Busch race his place before in trucks and just boom. Well, just we'll, we'll find down. out on Saturday. Same with the Xfinity race. I'm going to spoil it for everybody now because uh, I get these picks before the show with all four of us. We all pick Chase Elliott. And I'm uh, assuming the chat's going to pick Chase Elliott. Yeah. So well, well, we'll see. Well, hold on. We'll see. Give him some time. They're still saying Kyle well, Busch. Let, let's go. to. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I, I don't know how much time we need to give them. We know it's going to be probably Chase Elliott or well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Well, okay, I'm some twenties. We're starting to see some trickle in. Whoa, whoa, wait Looks a like minute. They're going Nemechek. There's twenty. Whoa, so they're going check y'all. Hey, give them Nemechek. Yeah. That's all I see. Yep, Nemechek it is. All right, give them Nemechek. Well, okay. Let's move to the Cup race then, since they're going John Hunter. Uh, who's gonna suck this week? Uh, who's gonna suck? Uh, Stuart Haas had themselves a nice bounce back weekend. Uh, I thought Eric Almirola. We didn't really talk about him earlier, but he was in contention for a top five until pit crew made a devastating mistake. Um, I'm not gonna pick Almirola to suck. I'm gonna go Priest. I'm picking him to win SRX, but the trade off is he's my suck pick in the Cup race. <laughs> This is beating a dead horse, but I feel like Noah Gregson has just found ways to stuck to suck in like ways I didn't think was possible, like at certain yeah. points in the race, especially on the uh, Chicago street course. So I feel like this weekend, something crazy is going to happen to him within like the first 20 or 30 laps. Like he's going to suck, um, but it's going to be even like worse than usual. I feel like, I don't know. It's, just, it's been that type of year for him, man. Just get through the season. Well, I'm going to go Priest as well. And before we get to yours, Danny, I think the chat's also going Noah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give him that. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm close. But I'm, I'm going with Eric Jones on this one. I think Legacy is going to struggle as a whole, but I'm going Eric Jones on this one. Well, hey, dude, get that championship. And it's funny. Years. It's funny. All of our suck picks are 41, 42, or 43. No. Oh, <laughs> interesting. It's funny when that I, I just remember back, like, with Legacy, going back to their petty days, just remembering, like, I think it was, 18 through 19. I'm pretty sure Bubba had something happen to him in every single one of those Pocono mm -hmm. races. Yeah. Uh, but who's going to be the dark horse, I think, is, is an even better question who's going to suck. I don't know if I truly believe this is a dark horse pick, but this is a driver I'm watching. Uh, it's Ty Gibbs. We talked about it earlier, but this is one year, basically one exact year since his Cup Series debut, uh, and it came last minute, had to fill in. But if I remember correctly, he did pretty well in that race. He ran 15th, I think, driving, uh, you know, wearing Kirk Bush's hemmed fire suit so uh i i think ty gibbs you know this this will be a race to watch can he make a dent in that points deficit michael mcdowell man and hey, that team's on a they're on a roll man they're making they're going after history man they're trying to point their way into the playoffs man this team has come a long way and they're going to continue to go even further up the standings michael mcdowell well i'm, I'm going to be with eric on this one i think ty gibbs is somebody Who's going to be a dark horse? Toyota's pretty good here, and Gibbs ran relatively well for being his first start and being thrown right into the fire. So I'm going with the 54 on this one. I remember this guy nearly had a chance to win his first race when he was a JGR this track, and oh yeah, it's, it's always been pretty good to him ever since. And uh, I think Daniel Suarez could be an mm -hmm. underdog to maybe be there at the end for the win, but not going to quite say he's going to. That's and true. the chat is going with Busher from the looks of it. So, okay. At least and now, more. and now for the main event of the evening, who's gonna win? Who's gonna win at Pocono, Eric? 
Mr. Tricky Triangle himself, uh, Denny Hamlin, is going to prove that it wasn't tape that got him the dub here last. Well, the original, the initial dub, actually a last place finish. <laughs> uh, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. have the best odds. They're tied at plus 550 apiece. Hamlin seems like the obvious one. Bush, you know, 50-50 on. But Martin Truex Jr., man, he's just on a roll. He's going to win this Sunday. Eric, like the last three picks, great minds think alike. I'm going Denny Hamlin as well. The, the guy has just been, since the very beginning, one of the best ever at Pocono, and I think he's going to back it up again. I think he's going to prove last year's tape was just a fluke. It was it was not anything that helped him whatsoever. I think he's going to prove it. I think he's going to go into victory lane at probably around 530 or so Eastern on Sunday. What I'm saying, my pick has only ever won here one time, but he has had several good finishes. And I'm going to take back what I said earlier this year where he wouldn't win this year. I'm going to say Kevin Harvick will win this weekend. No bad blood between uh, him and I. Perfect is what I have to say about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And looking at the chat, there's three I think they're really going towards right now. The eight, the nine, and the 11. I I'm see. Gonna put a poll up. Oh gosh. Oh whoa. Oh wow. I don't know. That's looking wow. like a Kyle wow. Bush sweep. But I think that'll do it. I hope you guys enjoyed and see you next time. Later, guys. Yeah. Goodbye. Fail. Steve, you look beautiful. You look great. Oh, ridiculous, dude.